Chapter Eight of *The Wooden Horse* by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Some Letters During This Week. Twenty-three Southwick Crescent West, October 10, 1906. My dear Robin, I should have written before. I am ashamed of my omission, but my approaching departure abroad has thrown a great many things on my hands. I have a paper to finish for Clarkson and an essay for the new review, and letter-writing has been at a standstill. It was delightful, that little peep of you that I got, and it only made me regret the more that it was impossible to see much of you nowadays i cannot help feeling that there is a danger of vegetation if one limits oneself too completely to a provincial life and charming though cornwall is its very fascination causes one to forget the importance of the outer world i fancied that i discerned signs that you yourself felt this confinement and wished for something broader well why not have it i confess that i see no reason come up to london for a time go abroad your beloved germany is waiting for you and a year at one of the universities would be both amusing and instructive these are only suggestions i should hesitate to offer them at all were it not that there has always been some sympathy between us that i know you will not resent them of course the arrival of your father has made considerable difference i must say honestly that i regretted to see that you had not more in common the fault i believe has been on both sides as i said to you before it has been hard for him to realize exactly what it is that we consider important we quite mistakenly possibly have come to feel that certain things art literature music are absolutely essential to us morally and physically they are nothing at all to him and i can quite understand that you have found it difficult almost impossible to grasp his standpoint i must confess that he did not seem to me to attempt to consider yours but it is easy and indeed impertinent to criticise and i hope that on the next occasion of your writing i shall hear that things are going smoothly and that the first inevitable awkwardnesses have worn off i must stop i have let my pen wander away with me but do consider what i said about coming up to town i am sure that it is bad for you in every way this burial think of your friends old chap and let them see something of you yours ever lancelot randall the flutes pendragon october twelfth nineteen o six my dear lance thanks very much for your letter this mustn't pretend to be anything of a letter i have a thousand things to do and no time to do them it was very delightful seeing you and i too was extremely sorry we could not see more of you my aunt enjoyed your visit enormously and told me to remind you that you are expected here for a long stay on your return from germany yes i was worried and am still there are various things it never rains but it pours but i cannot feel that they are in the least due to my vegetating i haven't the least intention of sticking here but my grandfather is as you know very ill and it is impossible for me to get away at present resent what you said why no of course not we are too good friends for resentment and i am only too grateful for your advice the situation here at this moment is peculiarly meredithian and although one ought perhaps to be silent concerning it i know that i can trust you absolutely and i need your advice badly besides i must speak to some one about it i have been thinking it over all day and am quite at a loss 
there was a battle royal this morning after breakfast and my father was extremely rude to my aunt acting apparently from quite selfish motives i want to look at it fairly but i can honestly see it in no other light my aunt accused him of indifference with regard to the family good name she quite rightly i think pointed out that his behaviour from first to last has been the reverse of courteous to herself and her friends and she suggested that he had perhaps scarcely realised the importance of maintaining the family dignity in the eyes of pendragon you remember his continual absences and the queer friendships that he formed she suggested that he should modify these and take a little more interest in the circle to which we ourselves belong surely there is nothing objectionable in all this indeed i should have thought that he would have been grateful for her advice but no he fired up in the most absurd manner accused us of unfairness and prejudice declared his intention of going his own way and gave us all his conge in fact he was extremely rude to my aunt and i cannot forgive him for some of the things that he said his attitude has been absurd from the first and i cannot see that we could have acted otherwise but the situation is now peculiar and what will come of it i don't know i must dress for dinner i am curious to see whether he will appear he was out for lunch let me have a line if you have a spare moment i scarcely know how to act yours robert trojan twenty three southwick crescent west october fourteenth nineteen o six dear robin in furious haste i am just off and have really no time for anything i am more sorry than i can say to hear your news i must confess that i had feared something of the kind matters seemed working to a climax when i was with you as to advice it is almost impossible i really don't know what to say it is so hard for me to judge of all the circumstances but it seems to me that your father can have had no warrant for the course that he took one is naturally chary of delivering judgment in such a case but it was obviously his duty to adapt himself to his environment he cannot blame you for reminding him of that fact out of loyalty to your aunt i do not see that you can do anything until he has apologized but i will think of the matter further and will write to you from abroad in great haste your friend lancelot randall the flutes pendragon cornwall october thirteenth nineteen o six dear miss feverel i must apologize for forcing you to realize once more my existence any reminder must necessarily be painful after our last meeting but i am writing this to request the return of all other reminders of our acquaintance that you may happen to possess i enclose the locket the ring your letters and the tie that you worked we discussed this matter the other day but i cannot believe that you will still hold to a determination that can serve no purpose except perhaps to embitter feelings on both sides from what i have known of you i cannot believe that you are indulging motives of revenge but otherwise i must confess that i am at a loss expecting to receive the letters by return i am yours truly robert trojan nine seaview terrace pendragon cornwall october fourteenth nineteen o six dear mr trojan thank you for the locket the ring and the letters which i have received i regret that i must decline to part with the letters surely it is not strange that i should wish to keep them yours truly dahlia feverel the flutes october fifteenth nineteen o six what do you mean 
you have no right to them they are mine i wrote them you serve no purpose by keeping them please return them at once by return i have done nothing to deserve this unless you return them i shall know that you are merely an intriguing uh, no i don't mean that please send them back suppose they should be seen in haste r t nine seaview terrace pendragon cornwall october fifteenth nineteen o six my decision is unalterable d f but dahlia sat in the dreary little drawing-room watching the grey sea with a white face and hard staring eyes she had sat there all day she thought that soon she would go mad she had not slept since her last meeting with robin she had scarcely eaten she was too tired to think the days had been interminable at first she had waited expecting that he would come back a hundred impulses had been at work at first she had thought that she would go and tell him that she had not meant what she said she would persuade him to come back she would offer him the letters and tell him that she had meant nothing they had been idle words but then she remembered some of the things that he had said some of the stones that he had flung she was not good enough for him or his family she had no right to expect that an alliance was ever possible his family despised her and then her thoughts turned from robin to his family she had seen claire often enough and had always disliked her but now she hated her so that she could have gladly killed her it was at her door that she had laid all the change in robin and her own misery she felt that she would do anything in the world to cause her pain she brooded over it in the shabby little room with her face turned to the sea how could she hurt her there were the others too the rest of the family all except robin's father who was she felt instinctively different she thought that he would not have acted in that way and then her thoughts turned back to robin and for a moment she fancied that she hated him and then she knew that she still loved him and she stared at the grey sea with misery in her heart and a dull sombre confusion in her brain no she did not hate robin she did not really want to hurt him how could she when they had had those wonderful months together those months that seemed such centuries and centuries away but nevertheless she kept the letters her mother had talked about them had advised her to keep them she did not mean to do anything very definite with them she could not look ahead very far but she would keep them for a little when she had seen robin's handwriting again it had been almost more than she could bear for some time she had been unable to tear open the envelope and speculated confusedly on the contents perhaps he had repented she judged him by her own days and nights of utter misery and knew that had it been herself they would have driven her back crying to his feet perhaps it was to ask for another interview that she would refuse she felt that she could not endure another such meeting as their last if he were to come to her without warning to surprise her suddenly her heart beat furiously at the thought but the deliberate meeting merely for the purpose of his own advantage no she opened the letter read the cold lines and knew that it was utterly the end she had fancied at their last meeting that her love like a bird shot through the heart had fallen at his feet dead 
then after those days of his absence his figure had grown in her sight glorified resplendent and love had revived again now with this letter she knew that it was over she did not cry she scarcely moved she watched the sea with the letter on her lap and felt that a new dahlia feverall a woman who would traffic no longer with sentiment who knew the world for what it was a hard merciless prison with fiends for its jailers had begun to birth she replied to him showing her mother her answer she scarcely listened to mrs feverell's comments and went about her daily affairs quietly without confusion she saw herself and robin like figures in a play she applauded the comedy and the tragedy left her unmoved robin trojan had much to answer for he read her second letter with dismay he had spent the day in solitary confinement in his room turning the situation round and round in his mind lost in a perfect labyrinth of suggested remedies none of which afforded him any outlet the thought of exposure was horrible anything must be done to avoid that disgrace to himself was bad enough to be held up for laughter before his cambridge friends randall his london acquaintances but disgrace to the family that was the awful thing from his cradle this creed of the family had been taught him he had learnt it so thoroughly that he had grown to test everything by that standard it was his father's disloyalty to that creed that had roused the son's anger and now behold the son was sinning more than the father it was truly ironic that three days after his attacking a member of the family for betraying the family he himself should be guilty of far greater betrayal how topsy-turvy the world seemed and what was to be done the brevity and conciseness of dahlia's last letter left him in no doubt as to her intentions breach of promise the letters would be read in court would be printed in the newspapers for all the world to see with youth's easy grasping of eternity it seemed to him that his disgrace would be forever beddoe's death jest book was lying open on his knee wolfram's song old adam the carrion crow the old crow of cairo he sat in the shower and let it flow under his tail and over his crest and through every feather leaked the wet weather and the bough swung under his nest for his beak it was heavy with marrow is that the wind dying oh no it's only two devils that blow through a murderer's bones to and fro in the ghost's moonshine had always seemed to him the most madly sinister verse in english literature it had been read to him by randall at cambridge and had had a curious fascination for him from the first he had found that the little bookseller at worms had known it and had indeed claimed beddoes for a german now it seemed to warn him vaguely of impending disaster he did not see that he himself could act any further in the matter she would not see him and writing was useless and yet to leave the matter uncertain waiting for the blow to fall with no knowledge of the movements in the other camp was not to be thought of he must do something the moment had arrived when advice must be taken but from whom his father was out of the question it was three days since the explosion and there was an armed truce 
he had in spite of himself admired his father's conduct during the last three days and he was surprised to find that it was his aunt and uncle rather than his father who had failed to carry off the situation he refused as yet to admit it to himself but the three of them his aunt his uncle and himself had seemed almost frightened his father was another person stern cold unfailingly polite suddenly apparently possessed of those little courtesies in which he had seemed before so singularly lacking there had been conversation of a kind at meals and it had always been his father who had filled awkward pauses and avoided difficult moments the knowledge too that his father would in a few months time be head of the house was borne in upon him with new force it might be unpleasant but it would not as he had formerly fancied be ludicrous a sign of his changed attitude was the fact that he rather resented randall's letter and wished a little that he had not taken him into his confidence nevertheless to ask advice of his father was impossible he must speak to his uncle and aunt how hard this would be only he himself knew he had never in their eyes failed in any degree towards the family honour from whatever side the house might be attacked it would not be through him there was nothing in his past life they thought at which they would not care to look he realised too claire's love for him he had known from very early days that he counted for everything in her life that her faith in the family centred in his own honour and that her hopes for the family were founded completely in his own progress and now he must tell her this he could not he knew have chosen a more unfortunate time the house had already been threatened by the conduct of the father it was now to totter under blows dealt by the son the first crisis had been severe this would be infinitely more so he hated himself for the first time in his life and in so doing began for the first time to realize himself a little well he must speak to them and ask them what was to be done and the sooner it was over the better he put the beddoes back into the shelf and went to the windows it was already dark light twinkled in the bay and a line of white breakers flashed and vanished keeping time it seemed with the changing gleam of the lighthouse far out to sea his own room was dark save for the glow of the fire they would be at tea probably his father would not be there the present would be a good time to choose he pulled his courage together and went downstairs as he had expected garrett was having tea with claire in her own room the castle of intimacy as randall had once called it garrett was reading claire was sitting by the fire thinking she will soon have more to think about thought robin wretchedly she looked up as he came in ah robin that's splendid i was just going to send up for you come and sit here and talk to me i've hardly seen you to-day she had been very affectionate during the last three days rather too affectionate robin thought he liked her better when she was less demonstrative where have you been all the afternoon in my room i've been busy tea you don't mind it strong do you because it's been here a good long time gingerbread cake specially for you but gingerbread cake wasn't in the least attractive beddoes suited him much better is that the wind dying oh no it's only two devils that blow through a murderer's bones to and fro in the ghost's moonshine 
do you know beddoes aunt no dear what kind of thing is it poetry yes you wouldn't like it though only i've been reading him this afternoon he suited my mood boys of your age shouldn't have moods this from garrett i never had robin took his tea without answering and sat down on the opposite side of the fire to his aunt how was he to begin what was he to say there followed an awful pause life seemed to have been full of pauses lately claire was watching him anxiously how had his father's outbreak affected him she was afraid from little things that she had seen that he had been influenced harry had been so different these last three days she could not understand it she watched him eagerly hungrily why was he not still the baby that she could take on her knees and kiss and sentimentalize over he too she fancied had been different during these last days more tea robin you'd better it's a long while before dinner no thanks aunt i uh, that is uh, well i have uh, something i wanted to say he turned round in his chair and faced the fire he would rather not look at her whilst he was speaking garrett put down his book and looked up was there going to be more worry what had happened lately to the world it seemed to have lost all proper respect for the trojan position he could not understand it claire drew her breath sharply her fears thronged about her like shadows in the firelight what was it was it harry what about robin is anything the matter why no nothing really it's only that is uh, dash it all it's awfully difficult there was another silence the ticking of the clock drove robin into further speech well i've made a bit of a mess i've been rather a fool and i want your advice another pause but no assistance save a cold well from garrett you see it was at cambridge last summer i was an awful fool i know but i really didn't know how far it was going until well until afterwards until after what said garrett would you mind being a little clearer robin well it was a girl robin stopped it sounded so horrible spoken like that in cold blood he did not dare to look at his aunt but he wondered what her face was like he pulled desperately at his tie and hurried on nothing very bad you know i meant at first anyhow i met her at another man's uh, grant of clare quite a, a good chap and he gave a picnic canders and uh, things up the river we had a jolly afternoon and she seemed awfully nice and her mother wasn't there and then after that i, I saw a lot of her every one does at cambridge I, I mean see girls and all that sort of thing and i didn't think anything of it and she really seemed awfully nice then there isn't much to do at cambridge except that sort of thing i mean really and then after term i came down here and i began to write i'm afraid i was a bit silly but i didn't know it then and i used to write her letters pretty often and she answered them and well you know the sort of thing uncle garrett i thought i loved her at this climax robin came to a pause and hoped that they would help him but they said no word until at last garrett said impatiently go on well continued robin desperately that's really all knowing however that he had not arrived at the point of the story she and her mother came down to live here and then somehow i don't like her quite so much it seemed different down here and her mother was horrid 
i began to see it differently and at last one night i told her so of course i thought naturally that she would understand but she didn't and her mother was horrid and she made a scene it was all very unpleasant robin was dragging his handkerchief between his fingers and looking imploringly at the fire then i went and saw her again and asked her for my my letters she said she'd keep them and i'm afraid she may use them and, and well that's all he finished lamely he thought that hours of terrible silence followed his speech he sat motionless in his chair waiting for their words he was rather glad now that he had spoken it had been a relief to unburden himself for so many days he had only had his own thoughts and suggestions to apply to the situation but he was afraid to look at his aunt you young fool at last came from garrett who is the girl ah miss feverel she lives with her mother at seaview terrace there is no father miss feverel what that girl you wrote to her you at last his aunt had spoken he had never heard her speak like that before the you was a cry of horror she suddenly got up and went over to him she bent over him where he sat with head lowered and shook him by the shoulder robin it can't be true you haven't written to that girl not love letters it is incredible it is true he said looking up don't look at me like that aunt claire it isn't so bad other fellows but then he was ashamed and stopped he would leave his defence alone is that all said garrett all you have done i mean you haven't injured the girl i swear that's all robin said eagerly i meant no harm by it i wrote the letters without thinking i claire stood leaning on the mantelpiece her head between her hands i can't understand it i can't understand it she said it isn't like you not a bit that girl and you why it's incredible that's only because you had your fancy idea of him claire said garrett we'd better pass the lamentation stage and decide what's to be done for once garrett seemed practical he was pleased with himself for being so it had suddenly occurred to him that he was the only person who could really deal with the situation claire was a woman harry was out of the question robin was a boy have you spoken to your father he asked no of course not robin answered rather fiercely how could i claire went back to her chair that girl but robin she's plain quite and her manners her mother everything impossible it was still incredible that robin the work of her hands as it were into whom she had poured all things that were lovely and of good report could have made love to an ordinary girl of the middle classes a vulgar girl with a still more vulgar mother but in spite of her vulgarity she was jealous of her you don't care for her any longer robin now oh no not for a long time i don't think i ever did really i can't think how i was ever such a fool she still threatens breach of promise said garrett whose mind was slowly working as to the best means of proving his practical utility that's the point of course that the letters are there and that we have got to get them back what kind of letters were they did you actually give her hopes robin blushed yes i'm afraid i did as well as i can remember and judging by her answers i said the usual sort of things 
he paused it was best he felt to leave it vague but claire had scarcely arrived at the danger of it yet the danger to the house her present thought was of robin that she must alter her feelings about him take him from his pedestal a trojan who could make love to any kind of girl i can't think of it now she said it's confusing we must see what's to be done we'll talk about it some other time it's hard to see just at present garrett looked puzzled it's a bit of a mess he said but we'll see and left the room with an air of importance robin turned to go and then walked over to his aunt and put his hand on her sleeve don't think me such a rotter he said i am awfully sorry it's about you that i care most but i've learnt a lesson i'll never do anything like that again she smiled up at him and took his hand in hers why old boy no of course i was a little surprised but i don't mind very much if you care for me in the same way that's all i have robin your caring and i don't think it matters very much what you do if i still have that of course you have he said and bent down and kissed her and then he left the room end of chapter eight